Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. Well, I want to start this Christmas Eve service the same way I start, I think, every Christmas Eve service, by asking you your favorite Christmas movie of all time. So on the count of three, I just want you to shout it out. So go ahead and think about it. Go ahead and get it in your mind. On three. One, two, three. Shout it out. Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation. I love that, Randy. That's a great movie. Although I, I showed it to my kids this year for the first time, and I realized that it was highly inappropriate for my children. Uh, another movie that it's not so much inappropriate, but it was inappropriate for the time that I showed uh, my children was Home Alone. I showed Home Alone to my daughter, Stella, she's 13, almost 14 now. She was probably three at the time. And as we're watching Home Alone and Kevin is doing all these things around the house, I realized this was a terrible idea. And before I could even get that thought through my mind, Stella comes flying down the stairs on a changing pad just like Kevin did with the sled. But all is well and everybody's still alive, so hey, I've done something right. Uh, but as we, as we celebrate this time of year, and we should celebrate. I don't want us to miss the significance of the moment, because many times in our celebration, we miss the significance of what is actually happening. This is the moment that God entered human history as a baby to become the Savior of the world. Without Him, there is no hope. Without Him, there is no life. Without Jesus, there is no celebration, and it doesn't matter what you accomplish in this earth, none of it matters apart from Jesus, amen? Amen. If you have your Bible, turn it to Luke, the second chapter. I want to read a few verses to you this morning as we set up for our talk, and we're not going to take a long time today, and so I ask that you would kind of sit on the edge of your seats, be involved. If you feel free to talk back to me, talk back to me. Uh, there was a lady in the first service, instead of saying amen, she, anytime I said something good, she would take a bite of her cupcake. And so, hey, if you've got cupcakes, feel free to eat those. As well. it, was, it was hilarious. Like, I'm staring at her. She's just, she's jamming on this cupcake, you know, like, like nothing else is going, like the glory of the Lord is filling the house, and she's filling her face with a cupcake. We'll edit all this out of the live stream later. But for those of you at home, you're getting to see it firsthand. And we hope you'll send in your prayer request too at info at activationonline.org because we want to uh, bring you into this time of prayer. Uh, Father, as we study your scripture, God, give us ears to hear and a heart to be transformed. In Jesus' name, and everyone say, Amen. amen. Luke, the second chapter, the Bible says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The, the reason they're taking this census is because they want to know how many people are in their region so they can know how many people they need to tax. How many of you know the government is going to get their money? And if you think that you can just kind of hold on to it for a little bit, try it and see if they don't give you a free place to stay for a little while. Two things are certain in this life, death and what? Taxes. So even in the time of Jesus, the government wanted a peace. Turn to the person next to you and say, the government wanted a peace. 
Verse 2 says, this was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. I don't know if you've ever been displaced before. But that's a terrible feeling, especially if you're about to have a baby. I know that this Christmas, part of our kids' Christmas gift was uh, my wife had the idea that we were going to redo their bedrooms. And we're not just going to uh, remodel their bedrooms. We're going to do like this bedroom roulette where you don't even know which bedroom you're going to get, which I've never heard anything like this before in my life because I grew up in a home where the bedroom you got was the bedroom you had for the rest of your life. But my, my wife obviously comes from a different planet where it's okay to have a different bedroom and to change it. And I, I, I became aware in the process of how different her and I are. As we were going through the process, I said to her, I said, we are so completely different. I mean, I'm a leader. I'm a visionary. I come up with strategy. I come up with plans. I lay it out. You know, this is how to work. And boom, 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 boom. And my wife, I think she's a little bit ADD. And her plan was not my plan, but I want to be a happy man. So we went with her plan. And all the men would say, amen. And so we're in the process of remodeling their bedrooms we repainted the walls and because of this my kids were displaced from the room because they've got to wait until Christmas to find out which room is theirs so this meant like many many nights of sleeping on the couch or making a pallet they went to my mom's house for a couple of nights and uh, my two youngest Isla and Lillian were okay with it because Lily's like me she can sleep anywhere I mean if I if I close my eyes somewhere I'll go to sleep it doesn't matter where I am. Don't take me to the movies because I will sleep through the most exciting movie in the world. As a matter of fact, I tell my kids when I'm at the movies with them, I say, if I start snoring, just like bump me because I don't want to run the movie for everybody. But that's just me. And Lily was that way. Like she could care less that she's sleeping wherever she's sleeping. If she's on the floor, she's content. But my oldest daughter, Stella, who went down the stairs, remember her from the story earlier, She's 13, about to be 14, and if you have a teenage daughter, you know they like to have their space, am I right? And so this process was a little bit frustrating to her because she's excited that she's getting a new room. She's excited about the possibility of what's going to look like, but at the same time, she's saying, hey, can we speed this thing up because I'm ready to get back into bed. I'm ready to have a place to put my stuff. I'm ready to have a place to where I can invite friends over or I can talk on the phone, but I, you know, so kids don't even talk on the phone anymore. I don't even know what they do, but that has nothing to do with the sermon. The point is, it can be frustrating to be displaced. And I wonder what Mary must have felt in these moments. Ladies, you know, if you've ever had a baby, you spend months planning, prepping. You, you want to get the room just right. 
Most of you take time to find a hospital that's going to help out, you know. A, a barn is not in your thought process when you think I'm going to have a baby. A barn would be good. No. You, you want everything to be right. Am I right, ladies? And so Mary, she's in this position to where they're having to travel 100 miles from where they live in Nazareth to a place called Bethlehem because they're having to register so that the government can get some of their money. And 100 miles to us, that's no big deal because you can jump on a car today and do 100 miles. And How long does it take you? If you drive like people I know, 20 minutes. Me, it'd take me probably for three or four hours because I'm a safe driver, you know. But, but the point is, this would have been a long journey, and if they didn't go on foot, they would have probably been on some kind of animal. And I don't know if you've ever ridden on an animal for a long distance. This can be quite uncomfortable. So I'm sure the Bible doesn't tell us, but we can imagine because they're human beings that Mary is probably very tired. She's probably ready to get to wherever they're going so that she can rest. She's very pregnant. And when they finally arrive, there's nowhere for them to stay. There's, there's nowhere for them to wash up and eat a meal. There's nowhere for them, where for them to rest or relax. And there is absolutely no suitable place to have a baby. Again, when you're thinking, I want to have a baby, you're thinking hospital. You're thinking doctors. You're thinking nurses. You're not thinking barn or cave. You know, and theologians will argue over whether it was a barn or a cave that Jesus was born into, and really it doesn't matter. The point is, at first glance, it seems like there's not a suitable place to have a baby. It looks as if Mary and Joseph are just making the best out of a terrible situation, but really when you look at the story, and you start to unpack the story with the understanding of who God is and how he operates, you realize that this is not a circumstance. This is a plan. Because how many of you know that God does everything with purpose, plan, design, and structure? Nothing happens to him by accident. So for us, it may seem like a coincidence. For us, it may seem like an accident. But to God, this is something that he planned before the foundations of the world were ever Laid And through this story, he's showing us something. Because that's what storytellers do. They use people, places, and things to drive their narrative. So the people are Mary and Joseph. The, the place is Bethlehem, and the thing is a manger. What, are, what can we see in this? What, what can God show to us through these people, this place, and, the, and these things about who he is and what he does and how he works in our life. Well, if you look at the people, they're just common folk. Joseph is a blue-collar worker, works with his hands. He's a carpenter. Mary is a common girl from a very common place. There's nothing special about these people. Yet God chose to use them. And how many of you understand God chose them. Before he created them, he knew them and he chose them. It's not like they were the only choice. It's not like God told the angel Gabriel, hey, bud, I need you to go down to earth and find a lady uh, to give birth to my son and any lady will do. And so 
Gabe's just walking through the streets of Nazareth, peeking into windows. I'm like, oh, she is definitely not qualified for this. Because I'm looking for a virgin. She's not one. Uh, <laughs> and finally he stumbles across this girl and he's like, oh, hey, Mary, uh, highly favored. You, you'll do. It's not how it works. God knew. God chose her. And what I want you to see is God knows you and he chose you. And before he formed you, he had a purpose, a plan, and a design for your life. There's something amazing he has for you. And even though you feel ordinary, as soon as his spirit comes into your life, he can do extraordinary things. Every single person has a purpose. For their life, there's something amazing that God can use you to accomplish. And it doesn't come with your qualifications. All it comes with is this one word, availability. Not perfection, availability. The attitude of, here I am, God, use me. Whenever, however, for whatever. And as soon as the Spirit of God makes his home in you because of your availability, he will do things that will blow your mind. He'll completely transform your life. He'll bring forth fruit. He'll cause you to produce. He'll cause you to be effective to accomplish something. So that's the people, Mary and Joseph, ordinary people just like you or I. Yet they were available. They responded. When God spoke, they said, yes. I don't understand it. Mary's like, how is this even going to work? God says, my spirit will do it. So that's the people. What about the place? Bethlehem. It seems like a circumstance created by the government. It seems like they're only in Bethlehem because they're going to register for the census. But if you go through the story that started long before this moment, you'll see that God spoke and said, my son will be born in Bethlehem. See, God is not reacting to circumstances the way we react to circumstances. We see Bethlehem as an inconvenience. We see Bethlehem as somewhere that we would rather not go in the moment because we'd rather stay at home because we've got a baby. Yet God has a purpose for it beyond her understanding. And God has a purpose for the things that you walk through that go beyond your understanding. The things that you get frustrated about and you go, why God? Why me? Why now? How's this going to work? God's saying, just hold on, baby. I've got a plan for your life. And that's the theme of Romans 8.28, that he is working every single thing together for your good. Even the things that you don't understand, even the things that you don't want to do, even the things that are inconvenient. And this whole scenario is inconvenient. For Mary and Joseph. So we look back on the story and now we can kind of romanticize it. You know, we see this couple who's in love that has the opportunity to bring a child into the world that's going to save people from their sins. But this is a moment of confusion for Mary. I'm not married to this guy. Now you're saying I'm going to have a baby and it's not his. I've got to explain this. This is, this is news that could have gotten her killed. It doesn't feel like favor. It feels like a death sentence. Now they've gone all the way from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and Joseph forgot to book the room. You know the, the picture we have in our mind of, of the, the manger scene where, you know, Mary's on her knees next to baby Jesus in the manger, and Joseph's, you know, 
I don't think that's how it was. Joseph was probably having to sleep outside. Mary was probably ticked off. Because they don't have the power of seeing the story the way that we can see it now. But what is so wonderful about being able to look back and see how God did things then, we realize he's the same forever. He does not change. And if he worked in their circumstances, if he worked in their situation, then I can know, I can, I can have confidence, and I can have peace that he will work in the midst of what mine. Why? Because I'm a person of purpose. I'm a person of destiny. I've got a call on my life, and I'm not an accident. You know, some people feel like, oh, I'm just an accident. I'm, a, I'm an oops moment. Not with God. Before he formed you in your mother's womb, he knew you. He called you. He chose you. And he's been with you through everything you've had to walk through. And he's going to continue to walk you through it until you get to the place where you see, okay, now I understand that God is faithful. God has always been with me. Bernie's God is faithful. God has always been with you. Nothing that you have walked through in your life is an accident. It's all been by design. And God's not done with you yet. There is still a purpose for you. There is still something that God wants to accomplish in you. There is a dream that he has placed in your heart that he is going to bring it about. It will happen because God is with you. And see, understand this. God does not operate according to our timetable. See, sometimes we, we place expiration dates on dreams. We feel like it's got to happen by this time or this stage of my life. You know, I've got to have this. I've got to accomplish this. And if it doesn't work out that way, then God's done. But see, God sees it all. And he knows there's a moment that you're going to step into that place, step into that flow where you begin to fulfill everything he's called you to do. And everything from then to this moment is just a preparing season to get you where you need to be. I'm speaking prophetically right now. That God is preparing you. He's preparing your heart. He's preparing your life. And everything that you've walked through is there for the reason to manifest his glory, to manifest his power, to manifest his goodness. So that's the people. That's the place. Not a circumstance, but a design. What about the thing? The manger. <laughs> the place that, if we could see this, none of us would have wanted to lay our baby in it. My little brother just had a little baby, and, and they're like germaphobes. You know, they go crazy, like you got hand sanitizer, everything. A manger? No way. But the thing that we overlook, the thing that we would walk past is the very thing that God says, that's what I'm going to use. And what we can learn from the manger is we can find out the kind of space God is willing to fill. We can find the kind of space that God is willing to use. The things that people would say, no way. The people that, uh, they would say, that's disgusting. They would say, that's unusable for this purpose. God says, that's the exact thing that I want to use. Watch this. The Bible says in John, the first chapter, verse 9. He's talking about the coming of Jesus. He says, the true light which gives light to everyone. Somebody say everyone. Was coming into the world. He was in the world, 
and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. They set him aside. Because Jesus didn't come the way they thought he would come. He didn't do what they thought he would do. He didn't look the way they thought he would look. They're expecting the king of kings to come in through a family of royalty, live in a palace, who's going to sit on an earthly throne. And God's saying, hold my communion cup. Watch this. He says, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. Catch this. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. In other words, the savior of the world came into the world that he created and the people rejected him. But here's what's so beautiful. If you keep on reading, it says, but to all who did receive him, no matter what they've been through, no matter what they look like, no matter what they smell like, all who did receive him, for everyone who made room for him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That blows my mind, because I realize I'm the manger, I'm the filthy place, and Jesus says, I want to fill you. I want to make my home in you. I want to be formed in you so that I can give birth through you, so that I can share light through you, so I can share hope through you, so I can take your story and use it as a testimony that can bless someone else. And what's so amazing is that when Jesus fills your space, he brings all of his stuff with him. I remember before I got married, my house was like a bachelor pad. I had one room that was set up. I had black carpet. I had a black pleather couch. You know, the kind if you took a nap, you had to peel yourself off of it. All of my Beatles stuff everywhere. And that's the only room in the house that was set up. Everywhere else was just empty space. I had a couple of cinder blocks with a piece of plywood with my old box television on it. I had turned one of the bedrooms into a walk-in closet, and that's how I lived. But as soon as I got married, my wife came in and brought all her stuff with it and made my house an actual home. And that's what Jesus does when he comes into your life. He brings everything that he has, and he says, now it belongs to you. The Bible says in the book of Peter that we become partakers of his divine nature which means everything that he possesses now fills me. His peace is now my peace. His joy is now my joy. His strength is now my strength. It all belongs to me. He fills me with his spirit. He fills me with his power so that I can become usable, so that I can become effective. Are you following this? And that's what Christmas is all about. Many of us miss it. We talk about the baby born in the manger. Yes, that's significant because that is God entering human history. We talk about him growing and dying on a cross, and we should. That is significant because that is how salvation comes. But what we fail to realize is what salvation entails because many of us think that salvation is just about leaving this earth and stepping into heaven. But that's not what salvation is all about. Yes, heaven is our reward, but salvation is about heaven now invading our earth. His will being done now here 
on earth. Me becoming a partaker of his divine nature. He was the light of the world. Now you are the light of the world. It's the mystery that was unwrapped on Christmas like a present. You open it up and you finally see what it is. And when you open up the mystery of Christmas, you see in the box that it is Christ in you. The hope of glory. There's something more for us than just living our day-to-day life. There's something more for us than just going to work. There's something more for us than just establishing a home or starting a business. There is a call of God on every single person's life to be the light of the world, to be hope in a hopeless situation. That is our responsibility. That is our privilege, not because we're great, but because now the Spirit of God fills us. God came to be with you so that he could become God in you to accomplish his work here on this earth. But that only happens for those who make room for him in their life. God's a gentleman. The Bible says he stands at the door and he knocks. He will never kick the door open and just jump in. He stands there and he knocks until there's an invitation to come in and fill the space of your life. And the question I ask this morning to you, the question I ask myself, is what kind of room am I making for him? Is he a part of my life? Is he a portion of my life? Or is he my life? The Bible says that it is in him that I move, I live, I breathe, I have my very being. It is in him. I understand that he is the source of it all. Without him, I am a vessel. Without him, I'm just dirt. I came from dirt and I'm going back to dirt. But with him, I have a purpose beyond anything I can even fathom. As we move from 2023 into 2024, the question is, what kind of room are you going to make for him? Are you going to keep him on the outskirts or are you bringing him in completely? At what point do we get to the place where we say, you know what, I'm giving myself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Every part of my life, my mind, my will, my emotions, my gifts, my talents, my family, my time, my finances, here they are, God. Use them whenever, however. And when people respond to that, that's when they see the life of God activate in their life. That's when they see themselves step into this place of knowing. Do you know how wonderful it is to wake up in the morning knowing that you've got a purpose? I'm not just going to a nine to five, I've got a purpose today. God has called me to this place today, to be with this people today, to be an influence, to make a difference every single place that I go. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. This man messes up all the time. I'm not perfect, but I am a willing vessel. 
and I've seen what God can do with a filthy, dirty manger that says, here I am, use me. I've seen him bring my family through thing after thing, time after time. The Armenian people survived genocide because of the goodness of God. And we are alive today because of him. We are preaching the gospel today because of him. And all I want for you is for you to have this experience, this encounter with him. Not religion, relationship. Many of us have grown up with religion. We pray before the meal. We pray on special occasions. We have religion. We have the concept of godliness. Do this, don't do that. But that's not what Jesus came to bring. He didn't come to bring a concept of godliness. He came to bring the power of God, to make the power of the living God available to you so that you can go beyond your natural human flesh and live as a son and a daughter of God to accomplish something great. You. You. To all who would believe, to all who would make themselves available, to all who would make room, He will fill your life. And He will make a difference. I believe that God can transform every aspect of your life. I believe that God can transform your home, your marriage, your family. I've seen Him do it. I've seen Him do it, but it happens to those who say, Here I am. I want to pray with you this morning. And my prayer is this, as you open your life to God, that today he would fill you with his spirit. That today he would fill you with his hope. That today he would begin to give you a vision for the future he's called you to. That today he would begin to resurrect dead dreams. Things that you thought would have happened a long time ago that didn't happen today, the dream comes alive. And you step in and you walk into that purpose. You walk into that call. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for this moment in time that we have the opportunity to respond to you by giving you our whole life. Father, we believe that you came to this earth in the form of a baby named Jesus. We believe that you lived the life that we could not live. We believe that you died the death that we deserve so that we could experience your life. And so today, God, we receive you into our heart. We receive you into our life. And we invite the Holy Spirit to fill us. Jesus, fill us today with your spirit. Fill us today with your presence. Fill us today with your peace. Fill us today with your hope. Father, for those who are suffering today in this Christmas season, we ask that you would comfort them with your comfort that goes beyond our understanding. God, surround them. Let them feel your presence. Let them have an encounter with you today. God, for those who are sick in their body, we ask in the mighty name of Jesus that you would begin to bring healing to them. No matter what the situation is, God, no matter what they're going through, we ask that you would begin to heal them. We ask that you would begin to strengthen them. God, we ask that you would begin to make them 
And God, I pray and ask that you would begin to stir up the gifts that you've placed inside of us. Begin to stir up that call that you've placed on our life. Father, for those who have walked away from their call, today we come back and we say, here I am, God. Use me whenever, however. And I want you to know, some of you feel like God's done with you because of something you've done, and I'm here to tell you today, God is not done with you yet. As long as you are willing, He is always able. As long as you are willing, He will always be able to move. So Spirit of the living God, touch your people today. Help your people today. In Jesus' mighty name.